0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's gospel is is in the middle of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. This sermon is his first and his longest discourse recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. We have longer uh, longer discourse with Jesus in the upper room on Monday, Thursday, recorded in John. And in this setting, Jesus is preaching to a crowd. He goes up on a mount. He is seated to show that he is speaking with authority. And he proclaims the word to those who are standing and listening. This Sermon on the Mount occurs early in our Lord's ministry. And not many verses before our gospel, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount trains his hearers to pray by teaching them to pray the Lord's Prayer. I'd like to speak a little bit about the Lord's Prayer because I think it ties in well with today's gospel. The Lord's Prayer is an important prayer for several reasons. First, it comes directly from the mouth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because he taught us to pray it, It is a most excellent prayer. In fact, it serves as the model for all other prayers. Second, God will most certainly hear us when we pray the prayer that He has taught us. We can take confidence in the reality that God will hear us pray this prayer and answer it. Third, this prayer serves as a model so that we now know how to pray. It gives us direction for the many things in life that there is to pray about. And finally, the Lord's Prayer may be prayed at any time, whenever, wherever. We don't need to look for special occasions or times to pray it. We don't even need to be in the mood to engage in prayer. In fact, when we are in great distress and do not know what else to pray or what should come out of our lips, we can pray that prayer that our Lord has taught us, the one that we know by heart, the Lord's Prayer. What's interesting in the Lord's Prayer is what it directs us to pray about. The Lord's Prayer is addressed to our Father in heaven. And so as we address our Father in heaven, we make seven petitions. The first is that we ask that God's name be kept holy among us. And that is done when God's word is taught in its truth and purity and we as children of God lead holy lives according to that word. Second, we pray that God's kingdom comes when God gives us his Holy Spirit so that by his grace we lead godly lives here in time and there in eternity. Third, we pray that God's will be done. When he breaks and hinders every evil plan and purpose of the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature, which do not want us to hallow God's name or let his kingdom come. Fourth, we pray that God grants us our daily bread. And daily bread includes everything that has to do with the support and needs of the body. Fifth, we pray for forgiveness that we would be received into God's favor and receive the many things for which we pray. Sixth, we pray for deliverance from temptation, so that the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature will not deceive us or mislead us into false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice. Seventh, and finally, we pray that God would deliver us from every evil of body and soul, possessions and reputation, so that when our last hour comes, God will grant us a blessed end and take us to himself in heaven. It is not surprising to me that Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer and then almost immediately taught us not to serve, that we cannot serve two masters, one being God and the other being mammon, or as our translation states, money. And then immediately after that, he teaches us not to be anxious, as many translations put it, or as ours puts it, not to worry about our lives. Instead, we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There is a clear connection between this model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, and today's gospel. For first, when we find ourselves serving mammon or money, and all of us do, then we need to be turning to the Lord by praying the Lord's Prayer, especially that petition, forgive us our trespasses, and the other one, deliver us from evil. Second, we learn through this prayer to trust in God, who is the giver of every good thing, instead of being filled with all that anxiety or thinking that somehow money or mammon could be our Savior Third, most of the petitions of the Lord's Prayer speak of our spiritual needs rather than bodily needs. Only that fourth petition directly addresses our bodily needs, give us this day our daily bread. And then also the seventh petition, deliver us from evil, does ask that God would deliver us from the evils done to the body or evils of possessions and reputation. So most of the petitions address various spiritual needs, which we often do not spend much time praying about. This ties in with today's gospel because Jesus is showing us the importance of our spiritual needs. He concludes by telling us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It is far more needed, it is far more valuable than the worldly things in life. He points out that life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. And he teaches us to be delivered from that evil master known as mammon. When we make up our own prayers, and it is, of course, good for us to pray for various matters that concern us or important to us and to pray from our hearts. But when we do so, we tend to pray for the various concerns that are found in this life, taking for granted the various spiritual concerns and the various assaults that are, that are, that are against our soul. We pray for health. We often pray for healing and safety, that our children would turn out good that our finances could be manageable, that we would have peace at work or at home or in the world. Most of these requests are prayers that are summarized by, give us this day our daily bread. When we pray, though, for unwavering faith, that our loved ones would remain Christian, when we pray for the welfare of our church and pastor, when we pray for reconciliation and forgiveness of sins, When we consider our God children whom God has placed in our lives and pray for their spiritual welfare, then we are praying for our spiritual needs or the spiritual needs of others, reflecting what Jesus teaches us to pray about in the Lord's Prayer. It is good, of course, to pray for both the physical needs and the spiritual needs. But when we spend far more time praying for the needs of the body Or of this life, we are probably demonstrating that we need to hear today's gospel all the more. For we are often falling into the trap of being devoted to mammon. Or we're praying for so many earthly matters because we're filled with anxiety over matters of this life. And we simply assume that every person we know by virtue of knowing them somehow has the gospel and saving faith and is going to heaven. These come from trying to control the future, these prayers over worldly mad, matters and mammon. They often come from failing to trust solely in Christ, and they often come from being enslaved to our, the creation. Remember what God promises. If he feeds the birds, he will also feed you, for you are of more value than the birds are. If God clothes the field with grass or lilies, will he not also clothe you whom he has redeemed? God knows that you need food, drink, clothing, and shelter, and so he will provide it. You have his word on it. Often what we fret over, the things that, often we fret over the things that go well beyond our basic needs. In preparing for preaching today, I read a definition of mammon that suggested that mammon is everything that goes beyond our basic needs for survival. When I was also writing my sermon, I did write much of it at home this week, and I could just look up, And look around my house, and I could see many, many things in my house that are not needed for survival. Too much, really. How much time did I spend getting those things? How much pleasure have I sought from them? How much have they weighed me down because of their cost or clutter or time commitment? Did they ever provide for The actual needs of my body or soul? Have they ever heard my prayers? Do they save me when it boils down to it? Instead, they bind me, weighing me down. When we become enslaved to creation, we are then prevented from enjoying God's wonderful creation. And that's what serving mammon does. So does anxiety and worry. When we are anxious about those things that we cannot control, we are attempting by force to gain control. We try to take the place of God as if God were busy on a journey or sleeping, to use the words of Elijah, mocking the prophets of Baal. Jesus shows the frivolity of anxiousness or worry. Who has added any length To his life through anxiety. In fact, we lose time in our lives when we are consumed with anxiety. The more time that is lost, the more consumed we are by anxiety, the more anxious we then become, setting us on a downward spiral. Anxiety is trying to consume us in our attempt to not be consumed by the unknown. Mammon is similar. Mammon never satisfies, and it perishes. The more we get, the more we want, setting us on a downward cycle of never being satisfied. True satisfaction, though, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, comes from God. Let me take a moment to explain. Every week, we begin our Sunday school hour with the order for daily prayer. In our order for daily prayer, we look at a hymn stanza or two, we review a portion of the catechism, and we learn a Bible verse. That order for daily prayer is intended for use throughout the week in the home, for all of you to use throughout the week in the home. There are, in fact, copies for you to pick up and bring home on the same table as the bulletin. The order for daily prayer helps redirect our attention away from the things that make us anxious and away from mammon, and it directs our hearts and our minds to the saving word of Christ. That's also what reading our Bibles and engaging in devotions do. It sets our focus and attention on the things that are truly needful. Lately, the Order for Daily Prayer has been focusing on Christian questions with their answers for those intending to go to the sacrament as the catechism section. This past week, we heard the question, why should we remember and proclaim his death? And the answer is first, so that we may learn to believe that no creature could make satisfaction for our sins. Only Christ, true God and man, could do that. Second, so we may learn to be horrified by our sins and to regard them as very serious. Third, so we may find joy and comfort in Christ alone and through faith in him be saved. So that is why we should remember and proclaim our Lord's death. Having our hearts fixated on mammon and having anxious hearts will never bring about satisfaction. But as the Catechism states, we remember and proclaim the Lord's death to believe that no creature could make satisfaction for sins. Only Christ could do that. What does that mean? That Jesus made satisfaction for sins? Does this mean that he is satisfied with our sins? That he thinks they're fine? Certainly not. Instead, Jesus had to satisfy the requirements to pay for our sin, to atone for them, and to cancel all our sin out. Think of it like this. A satisfactory grade in school means that the basic requirements have been met. When Jesus made satisfaction for sin, he met the requirements of the law. He fulfilled the law in our place. And he met the requirements for our sin to be truly and fully taken away. And he did so by the shedding of his innocent blood, his suffering and death on the cross. Jesus made and rendered complete satisfaction for our sin, and he rose from the grave so that we can be justified, forgiven, declared innocent. He shed his blood so that we, are forgiven even of those sins of worry or anxiety or loving mammon. We confess our sin that we have loved our stuff and have not trusted in God to provide for us and for our loved ones. We confess that we have tried too hard to be in control and therefore have not trusted in Jesus' promise that he will take care of us all our days. And what does God do? He forgives us because he made satisfaction for our sins. And therefore, we can be completely satisfied with this life and the blessings we have in Christ in our lives. Even when we immediately seek refuge again in mammon, even when those obnoxious worries arise in us yet again, our Lord Jesus Christ Rendered satisfaction for those sins and keeps on forgiving us. And as much as we may fail to give up worry or serving mammon, Jesus even more so does not fail in rendering divine satisfaction. He continues to absolve us of all of our sins and all of our trespasses. And so what do we do? As God's children who have been taught to pray, We keep on praying the Lord's Prayer. We keep on coming back to the Lord's house, pleading guilty of our sin, coming with that week's worth of sin and guilt and worry, confessing it, and going home forgiven. We keep on hearing that saving word of Christ that sets us free We keep on going to the Lord's altar to receive the body and the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of all sin. For through these, our Lord Jesus Christ is meeting us with his mercy. He is working in us a confidence that he will truly be with us. And he is providing for our future by giving us an eternal home. And if he can provide for our eternal future by taking us from this fallen world, canceling out all of our debt, defeating Satan, swallowing up death in victory, and coming back in the last day, Jesus will certainly get us through our daily lives by continuing to provide for us. Jesus speaks truth. We have no need to be anxious, for he is risen, and he grants us the victory. He is truly in charge of all things. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.